Welcome to Roots Rock Riot, the grassroots rugby podcast with me, Ian Harries. For episode three, we are staying in London, but heading east as we talk to James Stott and James Brandon of the King's Cross Steelers. According to Wikipedia, at least, they are named after the Pittsburgh Steelers, which, as a Vikings fan myself, is a shame. But the King's Cross Steelers are the world's first gay-inclusive rugby union club, and its founding marked the beginning of the gay-inclusive rugby movement, which now sees over 60 clubs playing worldwide. From humble beginnings in a pub in central London, the Steelers now have over 150 members, four teams playing across London, Essex and the wider world, as well as having a popular pathway to rugby programme. We talk through why this was an easy episode for me to research and their recent experiences at the Bingham Cup, which is the World Championships of Gay and Inclusive Rugby and is the largest amateur rugby union tournament in the world. It's a great episode, but don't take my word for it because we are going to dive straight in. Welcome to the podcast, James, and we'll go with James for now, just to make it really confusing, from the King's Cross Steelers. So we can start with James. We have James Stott. Yeah, hi, I'm James Stott. I play for the Steelers. Um, I'm a, one of the board members um, and currently play in the ones and twos team. And we're also joined by James Brandon, who for the rest of the episode, to keep us singularly James, will be going by Brando. <laughs> Nothing like being simple and having all the Jameses on. <laughs> In the, in the room. Uh, yeah, I'm James Brandon. I'm Brando and I am the vice chair of the King's Cross Steelers and have been for the last two years and uh, still playing, even in my old age, with our third team, uh, which I captained for a couple of years over the last uh, eight years of my King's Cross Steelers career. But um, uh, it's a much longer r- rugby career, unfortunately. <laughs> it's nothing, nothing wrong with a long career. I think it goes to show the draw that rugby could have. So the King's Cross Steelers, usually we would start with kind of, you know, a deep dive into what you guys are doing. But before we do that, this was one of the easiest episodes I've had to do kind of the cursory research before, because there is a documentary about you guys on Amazon Prime, which makes it it's so, so much easier <laughs> than having to scroll through Wikipedia pages and websites. Yeah, for anyone listening, I actually find out about or found out about it from uh, the Socially Distant Sports Bar, I think mentioned it, one of their kind of first episodes. So hop straight onto it. And I think it's a really interesting look into kind of what you guys are doing. Yeah, it's an ab- the, the documentary is a really great introduction into our club and our long term history. It's a. Uh, King's Cross team was originally set up really to create that inclusive space for gay men to play rugby. A lot of the gay men who had been maybe uh, pushed out of the sport through the type of masculine spaces that had been created, bullying. Uh, And because we are so old, a lot of assumptions made about gay men back in the 80s and early 90s. The documentary itself is really great if you because it follows us to uh, through a journey towards our International Gay Rugby World Cup, which actually by athletes is one of the biggest rugby tournaments at, at all. Uh, in oh, terms wow. of two and a half thousand athletes taking part in a rugby tournament over three days, bringing inclusive teams and gay rugby teams from across the world together. And we're not going to spoil the end of it, but it talks about our campaign that came campaign of our first team uh, to drive to try and win that Bingham Cup. In, and this was in Amsterdam, just pre-COVID. But woven through it, it gives you a sense of the, why the club's important, because we have a lot of people who start to tell their personal stories around homophobia, misogyny, uh, the role of gender, the role of gender identity, the role of uh, just being a yourself. And how do your full self come to something like rugby, where there is 
probably quite a preconception of the type of person who plays rugby uh, and how does that all matter. So documentary is a great way to sort of introduce the Steelers but find out exactly the, the reason why we're here. I don't know if you agree, James. I mean, I agree it's a great start. I'm a terrible advocate for it. I've never actually uh, watched the documentary. <laughs> so I, I need to apologise everyone to everyone now for that. Um, yeah, I've heard great things. Yeah, I, I would ex- I would explain it to you, but I feel like you would know more about it than yeah. I would. So yeah. there doesn't seem to be a need. With kind of the, I, I think, obviously the need for kind of, you know, inclusive spaces and inclusivity, I think is really important, especially with everything that's going on right now. I think it's always been, at least historically, a bit of a contradiction with rugby, that rugby is always the... It is the sport for everyone, regardless of the, you know, everyone's heard the cliche of it's for all shapes and sizes, but there then seemed to be a whole group of people that didn't feel included within any of the, uh, any of that. Um, do you feel like that's kind of improved at all as kind of times moving on? Like if we were to compare kind of now to when the club was founded, which was the mid 90s, I believe. Mm, yeah, 1995. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think so. Um, but it, it's probably because of just a step change in in society and in, in general in the way that we treat other people. Even, even for me, and I, I, I left school kind of eight, eight years ago now. I still feel, you know, I still feel there's been a huge amount of change based on when I played rugby for for my first team at school versus when I play for the Steelers now. That the atmosphere is a lot different. That's not to say there aren't aren't challenges. Yeah, of course. And, yeah, and, you know, there aren't things that are, you know, we still see both on the on and off the pitch. But it definitely feels that there has been a lot a lot of kind of change in the way that our club is viewed, um, and therefore hopefully the way in which you know, gay rugby players and LGBT rugby players are viewed as well. I think you're right. I mean, rugby is, is absolutely uh, spot on in terms of it has a space for everybody. We we have men in our in our uh, team who are five foot four and uh, weigh about 60 kilos. And then we also have the, the big guys who are uh, 120 kilos and six foot seven running together and playing the sport every Tuesday and Thursday night. So the com- camaraderie that comes from something like rugby where everybody can come together is, is, is unarguable. I think what we we always forget sometimes of rugby because we're so based in it sometimes is the kind of the culture and the uncomfortable culture that sometimes comes with it. The we you, you can't deny rugby is a violent game, isn't it? It's, it's a game where your your job is to, if you're a forward like me, is to get yourself through a load of men and <laughs> get past them in the probably, uh, you know, in a violent way. And I think sometimes rugby, particularly, I think if I'm thinking about my experiences where I was a younger gay man going into that kind of hyper masculine space and you know having the kind of you have to be an alpha man to play rugby or you have to be a certain type of man to play rugby even if you are the biggest or the smallest there's always still a kind of mentality around what a rugby player needs to be doing and how they need to be approaching things like training or the game or or competitiveness in its own right i think what we find with our club is that what we're doing is we're doing two things one is we're we're grabbing those men who just were alienated by rugby as kids or rugby in schools or were called gay in the changing rooms. And we've we've got hold of them and saying, well, actually, we're creating a totally different space over here where you can be your full self. And with that, we've we've brought straight men with us because straight men come into this culture that we're creating. And they they have themselves said, actually, I wasn't comfortable being in a, a really hyper competitive or hyper masculine or hyper culture where I had to be this person that wasn't really me. 
And they tell us that actually they prefer to play with us because they don't have any of that. And the preconceptions of what a gay rugby team might have been, actually they're coming into a culture where they just play really great rugby and they're playing it with really great coaching structures and really great physios. And I think the second role that we play is actually taking rugby to a whole new community that wouldn't have ever even touched it because of its perceptions. And, and every year we bring in 70 new people through a pathway program who've never touched a rugby ball. And they go in 12, within 12 weeks from uh, picking up the rugby ball uh, the right way and then uh, playing their first pass out game. Uh, we send them on tour and we basically, our focus is not even really rugby there. It's bringing team and community together. And it's quite interesting for us because we're in a city. So we're a city-based rugby team. Uh, we don't we have a clubhouse but we don't have what some what many clubs have which is that kind of junior program which then filters into their senior program which then filters into you know their community hub uh you know their community sites being the source of volunteering or uh where everybody goes on saturday night for bingo and the disco right we are actually really working from 18 upwards and then tra- tackling those kind of perceptions of rugby that people might have had from their poor experiences but also going out and saying come and join us because it's a great community yeah i mean speaking for myself though the reason i didn't play rugby at university and the reason i it took me until my my mid-20s to actually start playing again is because of the the rugby culture side of it like that that always kind of put me off uh, especially because i was at university when the news was full of all of the the hazing stuff and controversies around that and it's just not you know i'm a guy who likes rugby and <laughs> i just wanted to play and i i didn't want to be a part of kind of any of that that wider stuff and like i think james said like even though it definitely has come across i think you know things have improved in recent memory but that, that doesn't mean there's not still you know a lot of improvements that can be made but you mentioned the pathway to rugby which was something I, I wanted to touch on as well how many so you're saying you've got you're getting 70 people turning up to be introduced to rugby yeah i mean we we go out for advertising every year in sort of june post pride and and we have a waiting list every year for people who want to come along and get a 12-week program to understand it now 70 don't complete the 12 weeks and join the club yeah. otherwise we would never be able to manage <laughs> sustainably oh, yeah. of that. and it already still provides enough challenge when we get 30 new beginners or, or development players every year but uh we have a, a really great team who really go think through how what that 12-week experience looks like and it goes from absolute beginning touch to forming even being a team when it comes to rugby to then starting to look at positional play we send them off to uh the caledonia thebans which is another inclusive rugby club uh, rugby club in edinburgh uh they hold a really great development uh weekend and it's a, a great opportunity for them to come together as a team they go and play their first games they take a tackle and they actually start to realize what it's what what the what the reality of that's gonna look like for them. <laughs> and it ramps up and ramps up and we we end we look at um you know their integration into the wider club because we do have all of it, all abilities we have four different teams and people who played for decades and people who played for weeks and it's uh even from a club governance point of view that's a really difficult thing to uh to pull together but this pathway program for us has been running for years and even if you're sort of just coming back to rugby after a long time off it's a really great way of just building your skills back up, rebuilding your confidence back up. And I guess that what it does as well, I think it it really 
kind of reinvigorates people's love for sport if they've if they've lost it because i guess the idea is that for rugby you get the idea that you learn so much of the skills on your rainy saturdays as as a, a five to 15 year old yeah that feels like the only opportunity sometimes to to learn and pick up those skills but for so many people in our club now they've learned rugby within the last three to five years and are now playing really high level i mean our first team captain ryan he was on pathway not too long ago and now he's leading us out uh, leading the huddle, le- um, leading us onto the pitch every weekend uh, for the first team, and it just shows you that you know it's, I guess you know a bit romantically, it's never too late to get back into sport and back into yeah. rugby and then play at that and play at that level. So you mentioned so you've got obviously the pathway to rugby, and then there's four teams. Is there anything else that kind of makes up, or what you guys see kind of makes up? the king's cross yeah I, I think the other groups there's two other groups that really make us up and we've been working really hard to 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 broaden that it's our relationship with our sister club the vixens uh who are our primary way of, of ensuring that we're not just anymore talking about gay men we're being inclusive for uh all genders and women and that's been a huge we partner with them on our on our pathway to also bring women into the game uh, yeah. And we spend that time. We it's a we share the clubhouse. We share it with our uh, brother club, East London, as well. And they're a kind of a, a, a version of them. But we work really closely with them to make sure that we are providing an offer for everybody. This summer, we had a, a, a great launch of a touch rugby game because we know that we wanted to make sure we're giving as much opportunity for as many people. And there's been a lot of shifts over the last year with the RFU, and we need to make sure that we're giving best opportunity for rugby for anybody who comes knocking on our door and um i think for me that that's a it's a huge area the other area is our supporters we have a huge uh we have a great group of supporters who are volunteering and really giving us time every week week in week out supporting the teams uh alongside uh all those uh <laughs> dedicated partners and family who are at home uh, allowing people to go away and play rugby every weekend so the the ecosystem of the steelers is more than just a rugby player it's 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 the physios, the volunteers, the uh, the board members, the the actual you know the clubhouse itself and how it runs and and we're we're really really proud of what's been built because when they started out in uh, back in 1998 with with 12 people in a in a kind of park, I don't think any of them would have ever envisioned that we'd be a 200 people strong pretty much an organisation that has to run and take people away on international tours every year and and you know has really significant relationships with with great corporate partners and yeah so we're really proud of where we've got to what do you think james yeah absolutely i mean i've I've come in a lot later to the the club and it definitely feels like you're kind of coming into an institution something that has a lot of legacy and history behind it and yeah no, just looking at it the, the sheer scale of it is it was pretty impressive and the the Union Cup, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit in in, in, in detail, uh, that we went to earlier this year in Birmingham, we took six teams and turning six squads out for a for a, a, a European tournament is, you know, no mean feat. And, you know, that's a huge touring party, but it's just hugely impressive for a club. We, we often talk about what the effect the pandemic had on rugby in terms of people coming back and clubs being able to sustain themselves. But I think we've, we've weathered that really well, but that's as as Brando says, down to the dedication of of the people that make up the club and keeping it going, which yeah shows what community it provides to people. Yeah, I think six 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 clubs is insane. Like the the league I play in sometimes can't put six clubs out <laughs> on the weekend, let alone from the same club. It's very unique, I think, as well to inclusive. I mean, we don't really do a summer tour. We don't go on tour. What we have is this tournament, which ends up being our tour, and and 
we get people who we won't see the whole year and then they they've been playing for decades and they jump in and they come back and it's like the, the, you know it's like their their first game again but we also turn up to these locations as a sea of Steelers uh this overwhelming white shirt in a green tie brigade well i, I think i think that's a good uh a, a good segue into then uh so it's the bingham cup and the union cup i yeah. believe you guys mentioned so the bingham cup like i said obviously not the most recent but i think one was cancelled because of covid and then the previous one is what the documentary is based around so last year's bingham cup so 2022 let's talk about no, but that that one we had four four teams going out so because that was in um that was in ottawa canada so obviously oh, wow. affects the way in which people you know want to travel and and spend time but yeah, again, quite impressive that we got to take four people across the Atlantic to that. Again, we can't get one club to go to East London sometimes. <laughs> to give you a sense of the scale of the tournament, it's 49 teams. 49 teams yeah. come from, a, from across the world into descended, I would say, on Ottawa uh, University <laughs> campus. And um, it, it is really impressive that all over the world, this is still something that people really commit to. Our next one's in Rome in May on the horizon. But nice. they our story, I guess, at, at Ottawa is quite a good one, isn't it, James? From in terms of like where we were in Amsterdam and that what that Steeler that documentary sort of showcases. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess for context, we were in the first final of the Bingham Cup back in two thousand and two and lost that one. So we've got a kind of a track record of coming quite close but never quite reaching it. And so twenty years later, we came to Ottawa with a very very strong first team beat. Uh, kind of teams that we probably hadn't beaten before and ended up in the final and I think throughout the whole competition we probably lost five points I think that's right mm-hmm. um, so I conceded five points in the whole competition so it was a very dominant run so it felt like um, it felt kind of like it was our dues you know I think for for the club and um, our twos team also took away the, um, the the competition the second tier of that competition the Hoagland Cup as well um, so just a very successful outing for for the club over there and I think What's good about that victory for, for us as well is that because it's because the the idea of inclusive rugby has been kind of growing over the last 20, 25, 30 years. Um, so it went, you know, we've gone from one club, the Steelers, to, you know, close to 100 clubs across the world. So every competition you go to, the quality gets higher and higher. The standard gets better and better. So each time you're playing a new team, you know that they're, they're not going to you know, they're not going to take it easy on you. So to come away with a victory in this com- particular competition felt like a really, you know, fantastic feat for the team and all credit to them. Yeah, so you are, I know it's obviously early days of the podcast, but you are officially the first world champions we've had <laughs> had on here, which is how often do you just introduce yourself as that just in day-to-day conversation? Like okay. if, if it were me, I would be mentioning it every day to someone. <laughs> like postman, whatever person in the shop people at the pub just anyone <laughs> legally changed my name to world champion ian harry's because uh apparently that's what i need <laughs> well i mean it's just i mean you know you know, you know adding on to that the fact that you know we picked up the european um cup again this year as well in, in birmingham at the union cup i think it's just a really impressive record for the club you know the the quality of the first team at the moment is is at a really really high level so yeah i mean it sounds like we're coming across really humble about it but yeah it's really something to be proud of the good thing about it is is 
at all like that is when, particularly when you win, is and you're away for that long. Is we had a very big party and we celebrated it very well. <laughs> uh, we, and it was quite a long season for us because the the tournament was in the August, and then we came back and we were like, oh gosh, we better start getting ready for the league. On <laughs> of course, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but then it was, so you're instantly going, oh yeah, that's coming back around again. We better, we better get prepped now for our winning it again, which we are quite, I think, I guess for us as well, one of our challenges, we are one of the oldest and we're one of the biggest. And we, we often, we appreciate that we are that big and, and sometimes uh, we are well-resourced and we have physios and we've got that ability because of our size and scale. But some of the clubs are purely uh, one-team clubs who are attached to a bigger rugby club or they found a venue through their local leisure trust or, you know, and they're really grappling to try and just build their teams and they see us coming around and winning the tournament. So we're very aware that we, we try to be humble with it because it's it, it's a lot of the outcome of, of our hard work. But equally, yeah. uh, you know, we, we're, we're still a, an emerging sport, if you like, in terms of um, some of the more rurals, rural teams. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think you can recognise that while also still relish in it on a personal level right like there's there is a middle ground somewhere to be reached but i think it is really i mean you guys kind of i think touched on it there but i think it is really a testament to like you said i think a lot of clearly very hard work over a very long time and obviously you guys have kind of created that kind of community and safe space to kind of i think foster that out of a lot of players especially from what james was saying that you're what first team captain was on a pathway to rugby program not that long ago i think that really kind of shows kind of what you guys are doing but from kind of a personal level like what kind of drew uh you guys to the club like why why the king's cross Steelers for you i thought they weren't doing enough duff kicks um on the pitch so I thought they were <laughs> and, and provide a few more um no well i I kind of fell out of rugby after school um, completely um, and I played, you know, pretty much since, well, since I was four, really. So when I was meant to be an under five, I was technically playing a year above me for a year. And then I and then I continued, continued with my journey. So I played for, you know, school and club up in Macclesfield. When I stopped at uni, there was did feel actually that I was there was something kind of wanting drawing me back. And I was definitely really missing, missing rugby. So I, I definitely wanted to join a club and this was post pandemic, you know, coming out, wanting to be more social after the, the, those kind of couple of years. So yeah, I, I, I sort of searched around a bit because, you know, as big as the Steelers are, the idea of inclusive rugby hadn't even landed on my radar at that point. So I did have to yeah. do a searching, but then, you know, once you see the Steelers, the, the socials and the the things that you can see about their history, you yeah, you're definitely drawn in. And, you know, as soon as you express interest, you, you know, they, they get you down quickly and involved. So it was very, it was a very, uh, from, from, from the kind of position of wanting to get back to rugby and get back into it, it was a very quick, very quick process. I, I know there's a lot of people who get put off that they haven't been, you know, like you said, they had a gap from rugby and I think there's a bit of a, a wall or like an anxiety bridge they have to get over. So, Kings, the Kings Cross Steelers again. From everything that we've talked about today, I'm assuming the the move from that to playing was from your perspective. Well, no, to get one, I mean, to get down to my first training, to making my yeah. first tackle in the Essex League, so it's a completely different story, and I'm still waiting <laughs> to make that tackle. So, um, but yeah, no, that that, that it is it is it is huge, and you 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 do have to gear yourself back up and remember why you're doing it. But that's the thrill of it because 
once you've made your first tackle and and you're running around on in that getting that adrenaline rush, there's probably nothing like it. Is there? We know that we know that feeling. Mm. Yeah. Once once you once you get yourself to that place in the pitch, it's it, it's like it's like it's like riding a bike. Mine was mine was a pretty similar story. I I played all the way through school and then I'd taken a slight injury in my last year back in the days when people didn't really know what concussion was and they threw you back on <laughs> yeah. a long time ago. And then I I sort of uh, I went to university and then when I was at university, I I sort of was was getting involved in the rugby team but was also working out that I was gay and I was coming out in that space and I faced faced quite a lot of sort of um I would say just just uh not necessarily kind of bullying or exclusion or any of that but a lot of weird questions that just made me feel like maybe I was this wasn't the right place for me so for example like oh you know don't look at me in the changing room and I was like we've just been playing rugby for 90 minutes the last thing I'm doing is we're all gross right now like why what is this what is this view from you so i remember taking your nosebleed and some people sort of saying oh what do we do with you now with the idea that i might have hiv or aids and i was like what are you talking about i've got give me give me the box the first aid box and so i had a few of these sort of low level experiences that just switched me off completely from it so i stopped playing until i'd moved to edinburgh and i uh when i was up in there i was uh, sort of part of the Caledonian Thebans, which was an inclusive rugby team. And my career was taking me all over the UK at the time. And when I landed into London, I was like, oh, I'm too old. I can't join a team. I've been away. My injuries kind of been one of those, those, those pressing issues. But London was really lonely. It was really lonely. And my first year in London was really difficult. Like trying to move into a new city, trying to make new friends uh, and really not finding the right place to do that. Uh, that was healthy or that was uh, the right thing for me and I think many people find that first year in London really really harmful and really harming on uh, their mental health and it was I remember being a pride and someone just kind of came along and uh, slapped a sticker on my head because I think it was a bald head so they were (laughs) were being funny and a friend sort of said let's go down and let's give it a go and and my confidence had been hugely knocked I think before then so I actually took part in a, uh, a pathway to rugby just to build that confidence up and really, that that was the the real driver for doing it because uh, it was a very lonely time, and to be able to go and find an automatic group of friends that you're then going to have some of these shared traumatic experiences in Essex, <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was then you know it would have been I, I could have seen myself leaving London completely and moving over and changing my career or finding something different or to do or just being in a really difficult men- uh, difficult place without the Steelers. Uh, and I, my story is not unheard of and why people join the Steelers particularly around finding companionship finding someone you're in this big massive city where you're going to work all these hours and you know how do you actually find a friendship group yeah I I think that's what a lot of people forget I think about rugby is that it is a lot more than just the 80 minutes on a field kind of once a week it is everything around that and that I mean that that's kind of definitely what kind of I think has drawn a lot of people to it. Like you said, it's the camaraderie side of things. It is the 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 socials. It is the finding friends. It is the support. It is kind of everything around that. And then getting to hit people once a week, which is which is always fun. <laughs> Again, I wouldn't know, but yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, that's what the forwards are for. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I very much am a forward. I, I don't get. I don't. I don't run fast enough to avoid that. <laughs> The ideal game for me, I don't get the ball. <laughs> it is it is everything else. Opposition do you play, Ian? Even, even just from the top half, you can see on the webcam, I'm front row. 
it's uh, it is all scrummaging and racking. That is that is eighty minutes of that, and then slightly passive aggressive comments to people knocking it on immediately after a scrum. I think that's the that is just the 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 hooker line. That is James. And <laughs> <laughs> then that's the one consistent thing between all of our clubs is that everyone you know consistent is that everyone knocks it on in stupid places, don't they? <laughs> I like to think it's selfless because they know the forwards want a scrum. Like I, I like to think it comes from a good place, but if backs are listening, you don't have to knock oh, it on. So one of my favourite things about um, this level of rugby is that you can you can spend half your match just waiting for a scrum to to reset or just continue scrums. I'm, I think we set some records last season for the match scrums we had. <laughs> in the road. You can tell he's a back with that language. Oh, having to wait for a scrum to reset. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not in those scrums going, oh, right, this is the 13th one. Oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> we get, yeah, we get the, the, old. We get old. Yeah, no, I, I, I still, I have played rugby for, I think, six, seven years now, at least in this stint of playing rugby. And I still don't know what happens when we're in a scrum. It's no one's told me, I've never asked, and at this point I've been playing rugby too long for me to ask what's going on. I just assume it's all being yeah. done. So thanks for uh thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. So we end each episode with the same two questions. So both of you will get to answer this. So first of all, so what would your message be to any future players looking to join the King's Cross Steelers? Gosh. Um that that that's probably just get down there get, get down to the club we'll, we'll look after you it's it's the community works very quickly in my experience get down there yeah i i think the the one thing i'd say to anybody looking to be part of the king's cross Steelers is don't wait just come down reach out reach out on our socials you may be worried one worried about your previous experiences and, and is it going to be the same come down reach out to us we'll as uh james says we'll care we'll take you as an individual and we'll make sure that you've got everything you need as an individual to take part in any type of rugby that we've got available and final question before i let you guys enjoy the rest of your evening uh which professional rugby player active or retired would you like to join your club my, my first my first my first thought would be finn russell but then he'd be taking over what i'd be doing so let's, let's, <laughs> let's, take, let's take one outside and i'd say i'd love to uh, throw some flat passes to Hugh Jones. Good chat. For me, I, I, I'm very happy if Ben Earl would join, then I could step out in the bay role and just watch <laughs> the sidelines. Um, yeah, for me, it would be Ben Earl. I mean, from an ego point of view as well, knowing you lost out to Ben Earl, like that's an easy kind of exit, right? <laughs> sure, you can take it. You can take it. Go on. <laughs> I guess if you want to play a half, you can play a half. Yeah, yeah. And, and James, like back yourself. There's no guarantee Finn Russell would take oh, the Oh gosh, I'm almost certain that would be the case. okay so thanks guys really really appreciate it thanks very much for having me thank you for listening to this episode and thank you to both james's and the king's cross Steelers for taking part we wish you all the best in next year's bingham cup out in rome uh when i set out to make this podcast the king's cross Steelers were top of my list for clubs i wanted to be involved and by that i mean there was a literal list of clubs i wanted to be involved So I was ecstatic when they reached out and agreed to take part. If you want to learn more about the Steelers, you can find them on Instagram at KXSRFC. And you can also find them on LinkedIn, X, 
Twitter, whatever we've collectively decided to call it, and on Facebook just by searching King's Cross Steelers. The documentary Steelers, the world's first gay rugby club, can currently be found on Amazon Prime. Since recording this, they have also agreed a partnership with the SW7 Academy, which provide incredible gym programs for rugby players and are frustratingly run by Sam Warburton, which means if I had recorded this episode later, I would have had an excuse to talk at length about him. Roots Rock Riot was brought to you in association with Ickenham Rugby Club and is a podcast nobody asked for. You can find Roots Rock Riot on Instagram at Roots Rock Riot, and if you want your club involved, please drop us a message there or email us at rootsrockriotpodcast at gmail.com. We don't care the size of your club, all we care is that you want to talk about it. Next week, we are staying in London, but going south of the river as we bring to you Old Wimbledonians RFC. 